0: What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurs and Podcast. I'm here with Mark Forster. Mark is a high-risk payment consultant and he knows a lot about the merchant processing game. Mark, how's it going, man?
1: Good, my man. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you coming on, man. So before we talk about your background in merchant processing and high-risk payments and all that sort of good stuff, the first question I always ask is, what's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on?
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, I don't know how dumb it is because looking back at it, it was a, a very good lesson. Um, but I guess the first thing that really comes to mind is last year uh, around November, um, I ended up throwing a conference. Um, you know, a lot of people came into Boston, and we threw this conference or whatever. I spent eleven thousand on it made nothing back in it. So, you know, on paper, it makes no sense. Um, But I guess the best thing that happened out of that was just the relationships that were built. Uh, You know, all the wake up wealthy bros, uh, Brody, um, Tony Peck. I mean, I can go on and on. So, at the time, my wife hated me. uh, But what's come after it, you know, a lot of relationships that were built.
0: Yeah. I've I've heard that you, it's, it's rare if you make money from an event. From what I've seen, right, and people always say like, "Well, you should be selling stuff on the back end, like your book or something like that." It's like, "Well, if you don't have anything, you're probably going to lose money." Yeah, not to mention, you probably don't want to make it make it super expensive to get into the event because you really just need headcount at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, that was probably our biggest mistake was we didn't sell anything. <laughs> like yeah, it was just free. No, I mean, we sold tickets, but you're not going to even make up from ticket sales. You need right. something else. Um, so looking back at it, like I wish we, we did something else there.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. But hey, let's go ahead and jump into your story, right? Because you know a lot about merchant processing. You know, like I was talking about before, you know, myself included, when you start a business, it's hard to look beyond Stripe, PayPal. Uh, whoever else, for merchant processing solutions? Because you really don't know. But I know you're an expert in the space. You know a lot more about it than the average man. But how did you actually get into this whole merchant processing game?
1: Yeah. I've uh, been in it for six years. Um, right when I got out of college, I uh, started working at a gym, uh, managing this gym. My father-in-law owns this gym. And he liked what I was doing within the community, um, saw what I was doing, not only to grow the gym, but building relationships outside and pretty much cold calling to build these relationships, right? Right. Well, long story short, he owns a payment processing company as well. Uh, So he noticed everything I was doing at the gym and said, dude, you're done here. I want you working at the payment processing company. That's where he makes his money, right? Like that's where the money is. Um, so I ended up getting in there, man, um, and really right i don 't know anything about payments. Um, long story short, nobody knows anything about payments, except you give somebody a credit card, they disappear with it, they swipe you out at you know whatever cracker barrel or wherever you guys are eating. Um, and that 's that. So it kind of opened up my eyes, um, you know, cold calling businesses for the first on a daily, daily basis. I mean for the first 3 years I uh, really opened up my eyes to like how much this small piece of equipment or this computer type of equipment how much this really is like the end all be all um of an entrepreneur uh of right. their really their livelihood you know um so there's a lot that goes into it but five years low risk. Um, and now I have a one year under my belt in high risk.
0: Um, what does that mean? What what does low risk and high risk mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the easiest way to describe it, um, you know, if you're at a restaurant, <clears throat> tell the waiter you want a steak. I say this as an example all the time. If you order a steak at a restaurant and they come back and the steak is rare, but you wanted it medium, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to take care of that right then at the table. You're not going to eat the steak, go home, and then say, you know what? I didn't like that meal, and then right. charge everything back. So, that's the big thing, man. With with low-risk industries, they're tried and true. There's no risk associated with it too much. When you get into these high-risk industries, you're just um, asking for more chargebacks, many more disputes Um, And, you know, it could even be as simple as, say, somebody just is very infrequent. Um, So, you know, even if it doesn't look like it's a high-risk business, but maybe they charge $16,000 for their product and they only take three of them in a month. Again, if you do one chargeback, well, that's a lot of that monthly volume that gets charged back. Banks want to make sure, you know, you have the the funds to make up for that chargeback.
0: So I would assume too, and correct me if I'm wrong, that low risk would probably be more product-based, and this is my limited knowledge, and high risk would probably be service-based because I feel like with service-based, you can say any part of it sucked and want your money back. Whereas product-based, it's like, is it really worth my time to drive to the store to return a $15 shirt, you know? Right,
1: right. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's, it's definitely, it's going to be a blend because like auto repair guys, you know, your doctor's offices, That's true um, too, yeah. those types of services, they're very tried and true. People trust, right. people yeah. trust that. Um, And yeah, you know, you go to Toys R Us or you go to the mall during holidays, right? We're we're about to head into quarter four. You go to the mall during your holiday shopping, again, product oriented, absolutely low risk. But um, the big thing nowadays with products that are considered high risk really comes down to e-commerce, CBD products, uh, really anything that is drop-shipped. It's it tends to raise a red flag because if you're drop shipping products, the biggest thing that these banks are thinking in their mind is not if the product is legit. It's is the shipping, is the fulfillment, is the tracking information legit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What happens is a lot of these guys, unfortunately, um, you know, banks get burnt. So a lot of these guys that are doing products online yeah, maybe you hit checkout and you got a receipt sent to your email saying your product is going to get shipped. But some of these guys end up just burning bank accounts and burning merchant accounts because they fulfill $10,000 worth of you know product, quote unquote. They shut their merchant account down. By the time the chargebacks hit, the bank is, is now has to eat that loss. Um,
0: So you're saying people will, people will, Hey, I'm going to sell you this product. You're going to pay me. And by the time I hit X amount of dollars, I'm going to take the money, transfer it to another account. I'm going to close this account and never ship you your product. That,
1: and, and and that is the, um, that's the sad part about drop shipping because there's some, there's some guys doing drop shipping that are doing it right Uh, but yeah, you know, with the high risk industry, you're going to have individuals that will take advantage of whatever it is. Right. Right. Um, so that's the big thing that I'm noticing right now in drop shipping, uh, which again should be a warning for you guys coming into quarter four, uh, definitely make sure all of your shipping, your return, your privacy, your fulfillment, make sure all of that is clearly stated on your website. Um, especially now going into quarter four.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it's crazy, man, because there are real pieces of shit out there <laughs> that will do yeah. stuff like that. And they but ruin it too. With drop shipping. Yeah. So many people do it. It's so hard to know what's legit and what's not legit. For instance, I, you know, I, I was on Instagram the other day and this ad came for this pair of shorts and it was a pretty ugly pair of shorts, I'm not gonna lie. The only reason I liked it is because it was compressions and there was a pocket on the compressions. So I could run with my phone in it, super easy. I order my size, I get the package, there's no label on it, there's no receipt, there's nothing. It's just a pair of shorts, wrong size, just terrible. You know, So it's like, for me, whoever sold me these shorts is a real piece of shit, in my opinion. But it's like, now it's my fault. But am I? is it worth my time to try to get a refund? I don't care, but I imagine if I tried, I well, I can't even try. There's no receipt. <laughs> I can't even try to get a refund. Yeah. So it's just interesting this whole merchant processing thing. No one looks beyond you know PayPal, Stripe, all that sort of thing. Right. But for you, you know more than that. So you know what I know is the standard with merchant processing in the industry is for a business owner is 2.9% plus 30 cents per transaction. Now, I imagine you have strategies for getting those rates lower, right? But it probably is harder work than just simply working with PayPal and Stripe.
1: Yeah. (laughs) In this day and age, like, first of all, the one thing that PayPal and Stripe have for them is dollars. Like, name to be they're,
0: want
1: to do this they're everywhere right yeah. like the one thing they did was they got their marketing game on point they integrate their api just it does it all so like if somebody wants to get a merchant account they go to stripe what's it take like 10 minutes and and they're exactly. done right so yeah i mean there's no resistance whatsoever um And that's a standard, like like you were mentioning, the 2.9%, the 30 cents, absolutely a standard for them. And the biggest thing really that I see is like, there's a place for them. I am gonna say like, there is absolutely a place where guys should be utilizing this service. Like if you're first starting out and you need to like build something off the ground, like I would absolutely go to them and build a little bit of credit card processing history before you move on to another individual, okay? Like insider information, CBD guys, like no one's going to touch you unless you're consistently hitting $50,000 a month in sales. Because again, CBD guys start and stop so frequently that it just doesn't make sense for a bank to touch you if you're not legitimate. Um, But what happens is with PayPal and Stripe, that a lot of individuals just don't understand is something in the industry called backward underwriting. So with all of my clients, look, is it gonna be a long process? Yes, I'm gonna tell you that right now. Cause what I wanna do is I wanna act like your attorney. I wanna take all of your information, I wanna write up a summary about your information, a summary about your business, so that way I can Now, take this to the bank and say, this is why this individual should get approved for an account, okay? They're going to do their underwriting and their due diligence before the approval. Stripe and PayPal, they'll take all your information. They're going to approve you right away. You're going to integrate it into your back end or, you know, maybe you have a sales team and you're taking phone calls and you're taking payment, um, whatever, key entering
0: Right, right.
1: As soon as you start running your transactions, that's when Stripe and PayPal will start looking into your account. That's why a lot of you guys say, "Dude, I just got shut down," or they're holding my money, because now they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, you know uh, Brady or you know Jeff, he's doing credit repair. We don't accept them, right?" So that's why. Um, is it easy for them to to do Stripe? Absolutely, but like, I just think entrepreneurs. You guys just got to have a little bit more patience. Like if you know you're in a high risk industry, just take the time, man. Have a little bit more patience and, and go through a proper sales channel that has the bank
0: relationships that actually wants your business, right. <laughs> you know? So how do you how do you dispute that if you have money tied up? Because I've seen that quite a bit. Like don't use Stripe, don't use PayPal. They're holding my money. They won't give it back. Like how do you dispute that? Because like you said, they're huge companies. So, is it hard to get to the right person that can authorize the releasing of those of that money?
1: Yeah, absolutely. i mean i don't even I don't even know to be honest. Um, well, I do know. I mean, if it's going to get released, like square is always my go-to example. I don't know what PayPal or Stripes situation are, but like with Square used to be back in the day. And I don't know if they've changed or not, but the guy that owns Square and founded Square was uh, Dorsey. Yeah. The guy that, yeah. The guy that owns Twitter, right? You had to tweet them for customer service. Like it was just not there. It didn't exist. Um, So if you guys are getting shut down, if it's PayPal, if it's Stripe, I know they will shut the account down right away. The funds um, I believe it's 180 days before anything w- may be released. Um, a lot of these guys are just shit out of luck, though. Half yeah. a year.
0: Yeah. Man, you know, we we were working with someone, me and me and my business partner, and, you know, this is a unique situation. He's young. He's 16. But he's, he's a go-getter. He's a beast. He's doing all this other stuff. But PayPal found out. That he was sixteen somehow, so I don't know how, and shut his account down just like that. And he had money in there, and said the only way you can quote clo- like get this account to zero is by refunding people. And he's like, I like fulfilled them. Like, how? What do you mean refund? And like, that's the only way. So it's like, how do you even get around something like that? Like, and like you said, there's such huge companies; they probably don't care, right? they don't care if you work with them or not you know that's the thing
1: yeah yeah the 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 end of the day situation um or scenario is if i'm a conglomerate if i'm paypal if i'm if i'm whatever if i am a payment processor let's just say and there's some suspicious activity regardless of what it really is the first thing that they think about is do I want to burn a bridge with my bank or do I want to keep this small guy pro, right? You're like exactly. like I'll go get another guy, but it's going to take me a long time to renegotiate deals with banks to to fund mm-hmm. my processing. You know what I mean? And, you know, like when you're trying to build a business like and you get shut down, all you think about is why me? But at the end of the day like
0: if, it, if you if you were in their shoes, you'd do the same thing. Exactly. No, I mean, that does make sense too. And, you know, with Stripe and PayPal being as big as they are, for people who have, you know, a couple thousand dollars in their PayPal account or Stripe account or whatever, they're thinking like, whatever, you're not making us really much money anyway. So why would we not just burn that bridge with you? Like go somewhere else, it doesn't matter. But right. for you, right, when, when people work with you directly. Yeah. So they set up merchant processing accounts through you directly with a bank. So how does that relationship work? Like how are they setting up their merchant processing directly through a bank?
1: Yeah. So pretty much the way that this whole thing works is my backend, like my partners that people may get on the phone with that sometimes uh, they may never talk to them, but pretty much we have the direct relationship with a sponsor bank. Meaning like my partner is affiliated with sponsor banks, half ownership and, 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 you know, all of that. So when you say banks,
0: do you mean like a U.S. bank or like a, yeah, like
1: perfect, perfect example. Right. So there's a processing company, uh Elevon, right. Very huge organization. Their sponsor bank is U.S. bank. Okay. So, so, so that's kind of what I mean. Like, and everybody has these, all the processors out there end up partnering or having a sponsor bank to facilitate this process. Right. Um, mine just happens to be direct. So um, that's really where it comes down to. Like there's no middlemen here. Um, and yeah, you know, it does benefit the the customer because, the support's direct, um, you know, you're going to get the the best rates that you can because it's direct. Um, but the big thing is really like a lot of guys in the industry get so happy. I, I just feel like a lot of guys in the industry didn't do their homework enough. Um, all they think about is, oh, I'm going to get this account and, you know, whatever, get my commission, get my residual. Um, but the big thing is like, It's so much more than filling out an application and making them, you know, live, right? So now they can process like, yeah, but what are you guys doing
0: after they're live? Right. That's the biggest thing. Customer experience is huge. And especially with that, because I mean, you're literally dealing with money, with payments. That's it. it. You're the intermediary between someone paying, you got the money, then receiving the money. So. I agree that customer experience has to be there because if I'm working with someone like you, the first time I feel like I'm not being treated like an actual asset as like a customer and whatnot, I don't know. You For know, sure. whereas like PayPal and Stripe. It's like, I know I'm not working with someone. I don't care if I talk to anybody and I have a whole dashboard where I can see everything that is my customer experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's something legitimately, um, myself and my team. uh, Like that's something that we talk about. Like every day that's on my mind. Like, look, you're not just setting up payment processing accounts. Like this is their livelihood. This is how they get paid. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I ever care about, period, is do I maintain cash flow for this individual? And do I generate a sustainable merchant account for this individual? Again, I do not need them signing up with me knowing damn well that in 30 days, their account's gonna get shut down. The whole goal here is let me get you live. I'm gonna build out a 30-day strategy for you to process very clean with no chargebacks. That way, I get to go back to the bank and say, hey, I know he's a startup. I know we only approved him to have $10,000 in monthly volume. Look at the process he's made in the first 30 days. Boom, let's bump it. Can we get an increase? Right. So that way by 90, by six months, again, if the guy can scale fast enough, he's able to do a hundred to $500,000 because he's operating in such a proper way. And that's really the attention that the good guys in this industry, that's the attention that they're
0: giving their clients. Right. You know, it all seems like, people in your industry are risk mitigators Yeah, so where it's like, Hey, we're going to make sure there's no risk involved. Right. Because you, yes, customer experience is great to where you're telling them, Hey, you know, instead of being able to process 10 grand a month, we can now process 100 grand a hundred That's good news. Right. Saying, Hey, you process 12 grand. You can only process 10 grand. There's an issue. You know, you're basically saying, Hey, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. That conversation doesn't have to happen which I think is really cool. And I don't think people appreciate that enough because if you're going through PayPal or Stripe, if there's an issue, who cares? They don't care. You better right. just find another route. But with you working directly with clients, I don't even know if you can disclose this, what's the lowest rate you've ever gotten for someone?
1: Lowest, man, that's a good question. Uh, but it, And it does matter, like everybody listening, because I think a lot of the audience um, would – technically fall, maybe more high risk. I know a lot of you guys probably listen, you know, if you're in e-commerce and all of that stuff, um, you know, you're probably going to be getting a lot more key entry transactions. I mean, I have low risk guys, um, you know, uh, in terms of like a combined combined, um, you know, I price them so low. I've had, I've had situations where I've had somebody at maybe a total effective rate of 1.6%. I mean, it's nothing. Um, Yeah. Again, very competitive situation, right? Guys, very price conscious. Did I want the deal? Yeah. Uh, Did it make me money? No, Um, but whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, in terms of like high risk too, um, you know, you're definitely in a good situation if you're able to get maybe all in effective rate. Yeah. you know, three and a half. Um, but again, like that's another thing too. If you're with Stripe, if you're with PayPal and you move to another high risk company, you know, you might have to pay a little bit more.
0: That's but what again. I say. Because, you know, I, I imagine low risk gets better rates than high risk just from the nature of the term itself. But with high risk, you know, someone's probably like saying or in the audience saying, Why would I work with you? At 3.5% when I can go to Stripe or PayPal and pay 2.9%, right? I think it all goes back to the customer experience. You are not dealing with the person at PayPal and Stripe; You're dealing with the company itself. And if there's an issue and shit hits the fan, they don't care. You could potentially lose the money or be six months without money. Whereas if they go through you, you're mitigating that risk. Right.
1: Yeah. Again, like there's so many, when it comes to price, like so many things go into it too. Um, you know, if you're swiping a card, it's going to be lower than if you're key entering the card. Right. Um, so there's so many different factors. Like a lot of guys are taking advantage now of a cash discount program where, you know, the customer pays the fee so they don't even pay anything. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're just starting out like CBD, for example, if you're starting out like, dude, expect to pay somewhere near 5%. You know, right. cannabis is is big now. Cannabis is startly finding to, to accept transactions. Like expect to pay 8%. It's just, you know, if you're starting out, you're going to pay higher. Um, if you have history, you know, you'll pay like you're paying Stripe. You'll pay a little bit lower than like you're paying Stripe. It just, it depends on that history because the bank is only seeing what's my risk. If they have history... What's their history of processing look like? What are their chargeback ratios look like? What are their decline ratios look like? Um, Which again, that stuff, again, if you're in the industry, if you're an agent working it properly, I mean, you're looking at that almost on a daily basis for your clients.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. And, and, you know, guys, for all you listening out there, Stripe and PayPal, don't get me wrong, like you said it before, it is sometimes more convenient just to use Stripe and PayPal. You're starting out, you don't know what you're doing. But I believe for the, the business owners out there who have the bigger businesses, right? You're pulling in, you know, five, six, maybe, maybe even six figures a month. Yeah, I think it makes sense to go directly through someone because I just think like we said, you can mitigate that risk. But Mark, we talked about a lot. I'm gonna stop the conversation there about merchant processing and end of with the question. Why do you love what you do? Merchant processing is an interesting, let's say niche, right? Why do you love that and why is it important for all entrepreneurs to also love what they do?
1: Yeah, that's a great question Um, because I actually hated this industry, uh, to be completely honest. Um, And it took me a while to start loving it with one simple thing. I mean, I really, it, it does... It comes down to the fact that a lot of people in the industry think that they get scammed and a lot of people in the industry think that they get cheated. And it was just the amount of phone calls that I get about Stripe, PayPal, shutting accounts down that's really when a lot of stuff started pivoting for me. Uh, again, even out on the streets where they held my money, um, you know, and, and all this stuff, it's it's when I finally switched my mind and put myself into the business owner's shoes of like, again, this is their livelihood. Right. That's when the whole game changed. And that's when I found the passion of like, I am going to be quote unquote white knight, almost like, like this has to be different. There has to be another way. There has to be somebody right. else representing these guys in a different way. And that's what I, that's why I love what I do. Cause I know the service I'm providing. I know that the level of detail that I have for these guys, like there's no way they're going to get shut down because I'm just on top of things all the time. And if they're making money, it just makes me happy. Why wouldn't it? You know, if people love helping each other out. Like this is my way I get to contribute and let's face it, I wouldn't be in this position for six years if if it wasn't like that. And it's the same thing with everybody else. Like if you really are telling yourself that you're just going to a job or you're in a sales role and you have no passion for it at all, like, dude, there's no way you're sustaining that and like check your bank account. Like it's showing up in other areas of your life that, you know, the passion or absence of passion is showing up in other areas of your life, whether it's your fitness, whether it's your, your relationships, your family, I guarantee you there are other areas of your life where you're letting that trickle
0: in. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I interviewed Bradley this morning and I asked him that same question and he said that passion doesn't matter. Right. And I think he's speaking from the perspective of probably his network. He's a high level entrepreneur, He makes a million dollars a year over it. He says, if you're making a lot of money doing something you hate, think about the opportunity that money can create for you down the road where you can do something that you love. So I do agree with that to an extent, right? If you're doing something that you hate, but you're making, let's just say a million dollars a year, I would just keep doing it because the moment you quit because you hate what you do with no plan of how to actually do something that you love, you're gonna run out of money pretty quick and you're gonna still be unhappy. <laughs> you know? So So yeah. might as well be unhappy making money while, well, like I said, you find out what you what it is you actually want to do, right? To actually be happy. But Mark, I appreciate your time. And we talked about a lot regarding merchant processing. I know there's probably still a ton of information that you have that we didn't cover, but for now we're gonna stop it there. Maybe a part two down the road where we can pick up where we left off. But where can my audience find you on social media?
1: Yeah, um, really Instagram, uh, at the Mark Forster. uh, Pretty much all social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, just again, at the Mark Forster. uh, LinkedIn, the Mark Forster. Uh, It's pretty pretty easy, guys.
0: Yep. Yeah, guys, I will link his links in the description. So reach out to Mark. Let me know what you thought about the episode. And Mark, appreciate your time, man. No, my guy, appreciate you. Thank you thank you for listening to the entrepreneurism podcast we post episodes every monday wednesday and friday at 4 a.m central time we would greatly appreciate if you would head over to apple podcasts and leave us a rating and review i'm brady morgan your host we'll see you next time